mic than me, so you sound better than I do. Uh, uh huh. Well, that's. I mean, I, aren't I the main talent? <laughs> Don't I get lead billing? <laughs> I'm Valtteri in this situation. <laughs> You're the second driver. I'm sorry I'm that. Definitely the second Red Bull driver. I'm sorry I just made this the Red Bull work environment, but um. <sighs> Pop a white cloth. Taking yeah. a deep breath. Take a little. Not sponsored. I can't believe that you like Black Cherry. Well, here's the problem, mm-hmm. dear audience. Mm-hmm. We hosted a Halloween party, and for that Halloween party, in addition to liquor, we provided lots of White Claw to our guests. Um, not sponsored. Not sponsored. And But our guests were highly engaged with the themed cocktails that were provided, and not so with the White Claw. So we now have a arguably insane amount of White Claw for two people. It's really, it's really silly. And also don't have any other like good booze really. So at the moment, if you want to drink in the house that is alcoholic, pretty much what you have to do is have a White Claw. And neither of us, I think, we both really hate the watermelon ones. I don't think I've, yeah... No. But, like, there's only so many mango, so one of us has to take the bullet and drink black cherry. Which is basically just cough medicine with alcohol in it uh-huh. to me. So so it's sort of a non-option for me. It's not something I'm willing to... But sometimes the mango is too sweet, so... Yeah, because there's vodka in it and not whiskey, so... Uh, yeah. And don't I don't want that White Claw. I don't want a seltzer whiskey situation. No. I'd like to make that myself, which is what I do with my Aldi brand grapefruit seltzer. Yeah, they're good. And and whiskey. You do a good job. Okay, should we we quick tell the audience about why I'm here? Yeah, I mean, I guess. If we need a reason. Just as a reminder. As a reminder. Okay. My name is Sophie. I'm usually not here for this. I'm usually behind the scenes trying not to laugh loudly at the jokes that Kennedy and Kate make. Uh Uh-huh. And this is my lovely uh, friend, roommate, domestic partner. Mm-hmm. Her name is. <laughs> I'm Kate. You guys hear me every week. Sorry. I didn't re- realize I was actually supposed to reintroduce myself there. Did you like that intro? Mm-hmm. That was great. Thank you. Um, I do this all the time. Yeah. So Kennedy this week is busy and cannot be available to record for this week to d- report on what went down in Brazil. So this week on the mic, you will have myself and producer Soph, as she mentioned. You know, as it always is here, this episode will be a little bit something different, but also broadly the same. I mean, we're going to still cover the race and do pretty much the same stuff. It's just going to be a different crew. And, you know, for those of you on social media watching this uh, via video, a different angle. Different angle. Kate looks really hot today. I look like, you know... I didn't shower today and she did. So that's really the, that's only the difference we have going right now. Yeah. (laughs) Tag yourself. Did you shower today? Yes or no? This is kind of scary. I'm kind of like nervous. You're nervous. I don't know how you guys do this every week. I just enter a transcendent space where I don't know who I am or what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I talk for two hours and then we get off the phone and I have no idea what I've said. I think because I edit it. I'm just I'm just hyper aware of my mistakes that I know I'm gonna make. Uh huh. I already know about the ones you make, and so it's like yeah. I just fix them later, and uh-huh. it's predictable. I choose to believe it's I don't make mistakes. I'm sorry, you're right. You don't ever make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, where Sophie, where were we this week? Well, I was. We were in Brazil, technically. Not at the Brazilian GP, though, I will point out. Okay, I'm already very confused. Well, dear listener, uh, I'm going to admit to you, I didn't do any research about this, but I think I know why this is. So earlier this season, there was Brazil was not confirmed as a race on the calendar for a long time because the contract in terms of like the subsidies and whatever that they would provide to F1 the sport to get them to come to Interlagos hadn't been worked out. And instead of being the Brazilian GP, this was the Sao Paulo Grand Prix at Interlagos. 
So it's the same as what the Brazilian GB, GP always has been. But I think what this means is that Sao Paulo, where the circuit is, didn't get any like government support or assistance to bring the sport there this year. Mm. And as a result, they, mm. want, they want the name of it to just be their thing. And my conjecture for why that's true is because the person who handed Lewis Hamilton his first place trophy, not to spoil the race. Spoiled but, the race. You spoiled it. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. They should know, honestly. Yeah. We just give the highlights think, yeah. and go into the details of the win. We're giving them the, the background. Yeah. He, that was the mayor of Sao Paulo. Whoa. Who handed him the trophy. So that's my tinfoil hat conspiracy unresearched reason mm-hmm. for why this was not the Brazilian GP, mm-hmm. although it was a GP that took place in Brazil and therefore arguably is absolutely the Brazilian GP. <laughs> Okay. It's comments. the same way that it's, but to me, it's the same way the sprint race, which is a race, is not a race. It's right. a sprint. Right. Because for, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Questions sure. slash cues. First of all, comment. I think yeah. the new way that we get close to the F1 drivers is to become the mayor of a city at a track that they race at, mm. is the new plan. We achieve both political fame uh-huh. and success and like the ability to change the world for the better sure as well as meet lewis hamilton uh-huh hopefully because he'll maybe hopefully win again after this year uh-huh in this timeline i need to become mayor of a city very quickly yeah uh i'm gonna be honest i don't think i'll make it in politics yeah i actually would do really poorly <laughs> as well. um i you know I just don't see that that path happening for us. No. So I think maybe noodle more on uh, other 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 pathways podcast. that are more realistic for us, <laughs> and or you know work with one we've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that was my immediate thought when you said the mayor handed him the trophy. Was oh maybe I should become mayor or uh-huh. something. So uh-huh. there's that. And then second of all, question. Yeah. Is this the same track they always use in Brazil, just to be clear? Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's basically the same circuit that it oh, has been okay. for many years, including when Ayrton Senna, who's like a, a historic mm-hmm. F1 legend. Is um, that why Lewis posted photos of yes. him this week? Okay. Yes. So Senna was Brazilian. He's very famous in Brazil. There's like a bunch of giant murals of him at Interlagos. Felipe Massa, who is doing trackside interviews this weekend, is also a Brazilian driver. So that's that's where all that comes from. Great. I love it. Thank you. Well, that was a nice little intro to Brazil. Yeah. This was a cool track, and I mm-hmm. have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions because of based on the juxtaposition of how the last couple of races have gone compared to this one, mm-hmm. it's very confusing to me, mostly because of the max loop uh lewis situation but before we get into that why don't you give us the quick lowdown on the drama from quali this week sure so this week we saw something that i actually don't think is going to end here in brazil as much as i would have loved it to because i'm tired of it so as teams are wont to do with their next closest competitor all teams spend all season lobbying the fia to say that they believe that something on their rival's car is illegal against the rules, needs to be changed, is giving them an unfair advantage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the teams always, all season long, basically, are bitching to the FIA that they think that the other teams are cheating. And depending on who you ask and how uh, cynical they are, all the teams are cheating all the time. That's your stance? That's what... That's what people who are very cynical about the sport okay. is that every single team is cheating. Copy. Always. And that the teams who are the most successful are those who are best at cheating and not getting caught. Got it. Okay. Where do you fall on that spectrum? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think very obviously, I think that a lot of this like cheating that happens isn't always, it's not something where a team starts out necessarily with the intention of doing something wrong. I think it's usually that they do something that they didn't necessarily recognize was going to be outside of the rules, realize that it's being successful for them, and then it's a matter of do they own Mm. up to it? Do Mm -hmm. they try and hide it? 
Mm -hmm. Because there's also a lot of things that, like, every team is basically always looking for any loopholes they can. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of things that, like, especially as the regulations, like, change a little bit, you know, week to week, and, like, the, the enforcement is different sometimes... Something that was legal one week or one season is illegal the next. Mm. I mean, a perfect example of that is the Mercedes directional steering, whatever the hell it was called, Dawes. But so that system was not against the rules for that season, but it was ultimately ruled that it did give them too much of an advantage. So they weren't allowed to have it this year. So, like, that's a perfect example of, like, every team is always trying to do that with their car. Give them something, come up with something that gives them a noticeable advantage without getting in trouble for it. Right. So, what happened this week that was... So, this week in qualifying, this was another week where we had, they were testing the sprint qualifying format. So, we had, quote-unquote, regular qualifying on the Friday, sprint on the Saturday, and then race on Sunday. During Friday qualifying... Lewis Hamilton got first, got pole position in that quali session, which would have meant that he would have started the sprint race from first position minus a penalty, but like a different penalty for swapping his engine. But that is separate. That's just like something he would have had to have anyways. He was going to have started from pole, but two things happened. Number one, Red Bull in general had bitched to the stewards about his rear wing and that it was providing too much downforce. It was unfair. There was something about it, blah, blah, blah. They didn't like it. Because of the last race or because of quali? Mostly because of quali. Free practice and quali. Copy. They've been, like, whining about the the Mercedes rear wing intermittently for a while. Mm. But that being said, a lot of that is also because Mercedes bitched about Red Bull's rear wing, and Red Mm. Bull ended up having to change it because it was determined to be against... The rules. Drama. So this is like a little bit of turnabout. Turnabout is fair play. Yeah. But so they bitched about Lewis's rear wing, and then, crucially, but also not crucially, because like it ended up not mattering at all, really. After the session, when the cars are in park ferme, so they're parked after the race. The next thing that's supposed to happen is the scrutineers, who are the stewards, are going to come and check the cars and make sure that basically nobody's breaking the rules, and they're going to weigh the cars and do all of those post racing activities that they always do. Max decided to go touch Lewis's rear wing, touch his car. intimate. Which you're very much not supposed to do. You're not supposed to touch your rival's or anybody's car other than your own. You can do the, like, cross your arms and circle the car thing, but you can't touch it. Yeah, you can, like, peer at it. So it's also something that they've mentioned that they've done a bad job policing in the past. Mm. Usually it's not like resulted. It's not been top teams. It's not yeah. resulted in anything. So like, got it. Cause like, uh, Seb Vettel is like notorious for like peering at other people's <laughs> cars and like inspecting and like seeing what he can see. But he doesn't usually, I don't think I've ever seen him touch another car. Yeah. He's just like leaning in and like kind of creeping yeah. around. Ooh. Um, but Max touched Lewis's car We haven't really seen the angle that the stewards used to determine their fine for Max. He did touch it. It wasn't probably that intense. Ultimately, the stewards measured Lewis's rear wing differential. So the amount that it was moving basically to give him downforce. And it was 0.2 millimeters too wide. Oh my God. (laughs) The sport sometimes. You know, like I get that. Formula One is a sport where, like, it's within thousands of a second and everything, but yeah. 0.2 millimeters? It's because we know where we fall on this side of the argument. It's because we know where we fall, but also, oh, if no. it's that close, yeah, it means that Red Bull was fishing. True. It's that we want them to find something wrong. We think that the rear diff is going to be something. Because here's the thing. If they check every car on the grid right now, do you think there's going to be any other team who's not also less than a millimeter out of that regulation? Yeah, fair. I wouldn't, I would believe that they'll find four or five cars. Yeah. Because everybody is trying to go, the entire thing about regulations in F1 is every team is trying to get as close to the edge of that regulation as they can without violating it. It's just like the minimum weight thing. Everybody wants the car to be as light as humanly possible without being below the minimum weight. Got it. Anyways, 
what happens is Lewis is disqualified from qualifying, which means his qualifying performance doesn't count for the sprint. So he'll have to start the sprint from last place. They also fine Max $50,000. Like, I guess 50 grand is maybe not. Yeah. I mean, like, sort of a... he makes 50K probably in two hours, like yeah. on a Tuesday. So. so it's like a presentational slap on the wrist. Yeah, it's like he didn't quote unquote get away with it, but also like was that a substantive punishment in any way that impacted him? No. Yeah. Even if it had been a hundred thousand dollars or like it could have been a much higher fine and like it's still ultimately because of the amount of money that is up for grabs in the drivers championship and the constructors between those two teams. Because it didn't end up impacting him on track, the monetary amount could have been 10 times higher and he probably still wouldn't have given a shit. Yeah. Because if it's not going to impact on the track, Mm -hmm. it's not relevant. Yeah. Anyways. So we go into Saturday's sprint. Mm -hmm. Lewis is starting from last on the grid. Max is going to start from second. Valtteri then gets inherits pole position. Then we do Saturday sprint, which I will say, I just want to point out, like you texted me today or yesterday and you were like, oh, usually like I don't like I know you're not a fan of the sprint Mm -hmm. as a concept, but you did say to me that you enjoyed the sprint because it was exciting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that this was I have been very critical of the sprint format because I don't Mm -hmm. think that it fixes what it's supposed to be fixing. Which I do still think is true. Like this, sure. This sprint didn't change my mind about the fact that I don't think the sprint is the thing, the way to fix the problem with an F one weekend. But that being said, of the three that we've had so far this season, this was by far the most entertaining sprint to watch. But that's mostly because Lewis had this grid penalty, where his whole thing was always going to have to be driving through as many of the other cars as possible. Which we love to watch Lewis Hamilton do. But here's my thing is, that's why I want a reverse fucking grid, because I would be every race. You're right. No, you're right. Like, like the only reason... The only reason that the sprint was exciting this week is because it was basically a reverse grid for one member of the leading teams. And that's why it was cool. But to me, I'm like, just... Give us reverse grid. Come on. Or at least try it. Yeah. How seriously were they talking about that? So uh, real quick for the audience. Rever- oh, I'm going to try and explain something. Okay. Um, real quick. White claw. Yeah. Real quick. Your black cherry fucking white claw. Awful. Okay. It's fine. I'm providing a service to the household yes, and you just roast I will stop me. bitching. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Heard. So real quick. A reverse grid is the concept that has floated around, I'm not quite sure how confidently, in the F- within the FIA and F1, um, where qualifying, your qualifying results determine where you start on the grid for the race, as always. But instead, wh- whoever gets set as P1 in qualifying starts in P20, which is the last grid place. So you basically switch the whole thing. And then we always wish for basically the fastest cars to be in the back at the start of the race because it always makes for a more exciting race because they have so much more to do. They're not just starting at the beginning and just flying ahead of everybody else with an eight second gap and just driving alone. We actually get something out of watching them get around everybody else because you get to see what kind of drivers they are when they're driving against other people. So that's the concept of the reverse grid. At its core, reverse grid means that the faster... The faster you qualify, the further back you'll start. Okay, yeah. See, you could have done <laughs> I could have done that. <laughs> but, well, so what's, it's, it is something that they, ha- they have done and I think still do in some lower levels of formula racing. I was going to ask, like, how, how serious well, so is F1 about it, though? I think F1, so the problem is the teams who hold the most sway in those conversations are these leading teams and of course why would they yeah not why in would a million they? years why would they ever volunteer to go to the back of the grid they don't give a shit they're not trying to help the other teams they don't care if Haas finishes every race four laps behind everybody else they like, don't want to like work for their money they don't want to why just, would like, they if they don't yeah, have to why would they okay. volunteer to do so i guess is what i mean sure like whereas in this system in sprint 
now they get free points for doing what they do every weekend anyways. Yeah. So, I don't know. But not to, you know, belabor the point further than I already have. No, but that helps, like, clarify for me. Because I sort of didn't quite understand your resistance to it as much before. But that makes more sense to me. Okay. I want to... Oh, do you want to mention Carlos before we move on to the race? Yeah. So, in sprint qualifying... Well, the other thing that we should point out. So, Lewis has to start at the back. He gets all the way up to P5. So he takes Mm -hmm. 15 positions over the course of a 30-lap race, which is actually statistically the most dominant drive the sport has seen in terms of number of overtakes in that amount of time without the other people crashing. Jesus. So That's a lot of qualifications for that record, but... That's well, because you can very see, impressive. like, if nine people crashed ahead of you, understood, yeah, like, and all yep. went out, and then like you passed three more people, like you yep. passed a ton of people, but like, have you because they didn't actually finish the race? <laughs> no, he physically went around so many people. Yeah, so he, so Lewis gets all the way up to P five by the end of this very short race. Otherwise, during the sprint, Valtteri finishes in first, Max finishes in second. And, excitingly, Carlos Sainz finishes in third. Woo! Kate Spensky, very pleased. Yes. I love a Carlos moment. I love to see Carlos on what is technically for the sprint, not a podium. But like everything with the sprint, it's still a podium. <laughs> we have to pretend like nothing related to the sprint is the things that it is. But mm-hmm. I sense zero resentment in this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. None at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No. Lovely to see Carlos uh, achieve third place for the sprint. I definitely knew he would not go on to be on the podium for the race because even in that sprint format, he was really like fighting for his life to stay ahead of Checo. Yeah. Uh, But even so, I mean, great result for Ferrari in their journey to try and get back into contention with those top Mm -hmm. two teams. Mm -hmm. Love that for Carlos, Mm -hmm. as always. My only disappointment was that he did not backwards cap on the podium but missed opportunity so yeah it's you know we'll work on it carlos it's fine well your people can talk to our people yeah just give us a ring um (laughs) but otherwise yeah i mean it was a fun sprint to watch good especially by comparison to the other two sure you know good yeah not mad at it great so here's my question for you Mm -hmm. in regards to lewis's crazy achievement during the sprint race and then as we already have given away he wins the race in the end yeah also from where did he start p10 so he he was disqualified from qualifying and had to start from 20th for the sprint and then for the race took a five place grid penalty for a new engine which that was announced earlier in the week yeah there's lots of flip-flopping around for lewis this weekend but you don't have to take those penalties until the race itself gotcha you take those penalties based on whatever you however you are qualifying for the actual race so he knew like when he started even before he got that 20 place penalty he already knew he had a five place penalty so he was like which means he had a 25 place grid penalty essentially wow shit okay it's a little confusing but it's okay so in summary lewis started 10th 10th for after quali he started in 10th and then he got up to no he started so he started in 20th after quali 20th for the sprint he got up to five yeah but he took another five place penalty yeah so he started the actual race in 10th okay copy great i need to stop saying copy (laughs) I'm not on a film set. It's really obnoxious. Okay. So he's starting in fifth and then he had an amazing drive and won the race. And the thing I want to point out is that after he passed Max for the second time, Mm because he did two overtakes, which Mm -hmm. was also very fun to watch and impressive. Mm -hmm. After the second time he passed him, he put like a huge amount of distance between himself and Max. It was like six or seven seconds ahead And that's what we've been seeing Max do to Lewis, Uh essentially, both in Mexico and the Austin GP. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, why was this Lewis's track? Why was this Lewis's week? What changed? Because honestly, I think all of us on the pod, at least, were a little resigned to, yeah, the Mercedes car just isn't as good as Red Bulls anymore. They've just, I don't know what's going on. We probably won't know until Drive to Survive season four comes out. What? Why was this so different? So 
part of it, at least, is number one, the Red Bull car is really optimized for high altitude and high track temps. It's really good in those conditions. So Circuit of the Americas and Mexico City are both perfect examples of Mexico City was both high altitude and high track temp. Circuit of the Americas was very high tra- track temp, though it's not. Austin isn't very high altitude. Yeah. It's also, I mean, something we've seen in, in races past in this season. But some of it is that, is just the, the difference in car design. What type of grid or what type of circuit they're optimized for is different. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things this week that contributed. Mercedes did a better job with the strategy this week. So yeah. at the end of the race, Lewis's tires were fresher. Mm-hmm. And because of the... We love a two-stop. Yeah, I will point we out. love good a two-stop. race, two-stop race. Two-stop races are better than one-stop races. Please see, please see the Mexico GP episode for our one-stop versus two-stop conversation. So in addition to the fact that the cars are just developed differently, mm-hmm. the Mercedes strategy was better this mm-hmm. week. So when they were getting to the end of the race and when they got to the point where Lewis was overtaking Max, mm-hmm. Lewis was on fresher tires, about four laps fresher, as well as... It takes a lot of tire to attack, but because where the Mercedes holds the advantage over the Red Bull still is in straight line speed, you use less tire in straight line speed attacking than you do if you're overtaking somewhere really curvy. Mm. So Red Bull holds the speed advantage through the S's. So in this case, that was the middle sector of this track, which is why towards the end of the race, they would keep saying, you know, Lewis is gaining in the first and the third sectors and he's losing time in the middle. Oh. And so it was always about staying close enough through the middle that by the time he gets to the end and he gets back to a straight, he's close enough that his straight line speed advantage is enough to get past Max. And so comparatively, are Austin and Mexico fairly like more chicane oriented? Yeah. I mean, there's less opportunities for straight. Straight line speed is not as powerful an advantage at those circuits as it is sure. in Brazil. Okay. Especially because of those, some of those things about like the altitude is the killer, especially for like DRS. DRS is always going to be less powerful in high altitude because you just can't follow as close successfully because your car is getting too hot. Okay. Yep. Yep. Don't want to get too sciencey here, so I'm not going to ask. That's pretty much the edge of the questions. technical yeah, yeah, understanding yeah. of the physics behind it. But yeah, from from my understanding, that is basically why this week, the suddenly, like last week, Mercedes couldn't get within four seconds of anybody without yeah. saying, like without sliding all over the place. Yeah. So because the the biggest change, honestly, is the altitude. Interesting. The Mercedes car is just shit in high altitude. It's just terrible. Do we have any more? Where do we have three races left? We have three races left. So the thing that's interesting is the races that remain are all races where straight line speed is important and not to the extent that necessarily Mercedes is like outright favored. Sure. At these upcoming circuits, but certainly, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty clear that Mexico and Red Bull or Mexico and Austin were going to go Red Bull's way even mm-hmm. before they got to those circuits. Okay. In these ones, so Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi. If they're favoring anybody, it's like a slight Mercedes favor. But that being said, that's based on if conditions. Well, some of these circuits, like they've never raced in Saudi Arabia before. So based on the track design and the theory, it favors one team, but whether it actually does. We won't know until they get there. That's kind of fun. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot has been said about, you know, should they be racing in Saudi Arabia at all? Yeah. Which is a separate conversation. Right. But I think in terms of, I think it's always fun to see the sport go to new circuits. Yeah. For that fact alone. As like a level set for like nobody knows how it's going to be. Yeah. Saudi Arabia as a country for that decision. Yeah. Um, politics again, you know, it's just part of the, incl- it's, it's a lot. It's definitely a part of the inclusion conversation. Oh yeah. 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 Else, that like, it's not. that's real bad in Saudi Arabia. And 
going to any given country can be seen as an endorsement of that country and its politics. Yeah. That being said, you know, Formula One races in China, it races in Russia, it races in Hungary, it races in, frankly, the United States, all countries with their (laughs) own litany of human rights abuses. So some of the argument about that it's so terrible to be in Saudi Arabia, I think people tend to ignore the problems in their own backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. Oh, I have a question for you. I may or may not put this in. Hit me. What do you feel? What do you, what is your take on the rumors slash they might just be, it might just be a fact that Max pulled out of Drive to Survive filming? Oh, okay. I, (laughs) no, I think, number one, I think, I think he did do it. I'm astonished they're letting him do it. That's what I was going to ask. Because the inclusion of, or the participation of Ferrari and, Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah. Yeah, the FIA had to get involved and tell them they had to participate in the second season of the That's show. That's what I thought, Because yeah. they, they didn't do the first one. I mean, I have heard that Max is not going to be in the new season mm. because, you know, whatever, he's unhappy with how they portrayed him because they've made him a villain. I say they, yes, they build narratives, but they build them on top of existing events and actions. So, yeah. And to be honest, I don't think that Christian <laughs> Horner has done anything to help that narrative of Max not looking like a villain. Yeah. I think that the, I think their relationship is actively, if Max doesn't want to be seen as a villain to people who, who are not inherently Red Bull supporters, then I think that they have to change the messaging strategy. Yeah. About the way that Christian talks about Max, the way that Max presents himself to the media, because I tried very hard. I made a very concerted effort at the beginning of this season to try and put myself back on more of an even keel and be less biased against Max because I knew that Drive to Survive, like season one, makes it look like he and Danny like hated each other. True. It's no different than almost any other teammate friendship where, yes, the thing is the what happens on track is so irrelevant to how you feel about that actual person. And what you say when you're racing, like what, you know, the team radio is so irrelevant to your actual relationship with that person. I mean, time and time again, we see, it doesn't matter who the fuck it is. If somebody gets in front of a driver when they want to be doing something and stops them from doing what they want, they always call that guy a dumbass or like a stupid fuck or something. No matter if it's a driver they're really good friends with or somebody that they're not close with. Right, yeah. So like, yes, yes, at a certain point, of course, Drive to Survive is dramatized. It's yeah. It's a, it's, it's a docu-series. It's a docu-series. It has to be engaging. Yeah. There's o- only so many things. It's like the perfect, it's, I mean, it's perfect to have rivals. Yeah. It's perfect to have a quote-unquote underdog. I, I'm sorry that I used that word, but I, <laughs> I know your stance on the underdog thing. But, you know, it's like, per- it's a perfect narrative to see as a documentary filmmaker and elevate in your storytelling. So yeah. I understand the choices that they're making from like, filmmaking perspective but and i also think it's it's an interesting not to get all uh film studenty on this but Mm -hmm. but it is it's an interesting thing that that it's a recurring series Mm -hmm. that follows a series of events that are developing live Mm -hmm. like it's a storyline that is developing from year to year like over the course of many years Mm mm-hmm a lot of documentaries are made over the course of five years or whatever or longer mm-hmm. and then they take all of those events and summarize them you know after five years but this is like every year they have new material that they're sort of squeezing st- shit out of you know yeah and it's just an interesting yeah it's interesting how the storyline has changed and or developed yeah yeah and i just think like <laughs> i think it's kind of funny that they have focused their ire on drive to survive as though that's the only place that max is portrayed negatively right and like i think some of it is like that's a place i guess you know they have control there they can't stop the f1 media right about writing what they want to write and being as positive or as negative as they want to be maybe it's something like that i just think it feels a little petty 
to be like you weren't nice enough to me I just so don't i'm not think it's smart i just i don't know if it's pet like to me it's not so petty it's it's just sort of like if it's the perfect platform to basically retaliate that energy yeah it just seems like there's so many things that you could do within that format to like yeah. build whatever if it like build a quote-unquote redemption arc like yeah i think the thing is that max is offended that that even would be something he would have to do sure and so won't wouldn't use the that platform in that way and so therefore yeah. is like this is only a negative for me i'm not participating yeah which i think that Drive to Survive is really can only be good for the sport in terms of like engagement. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bad move to let drivers like either it's something that the sport is doing because it's important to the sport Mm -hmm. or it's something that like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But like they very much signaled by requiring teams to participate early on that it was important to the sport. Yeah. So, and it has been, I mean, Austin was a very pure example of that 400,000 people after drive to survive. Was it 150,000 people before drive to survive? Huge. I mean, at least for an American audience, I'm sure that maybe, I mean, maybe the argument Red Bull is making is that the majority of their fan base isn't in the U S and they don't need those U S customers and other countries are less, you know, less of that audience has brought in by drive to survive, something like that. I don't know. All, all, I mean, my, my summary point is that it does absolutely nothing to help my max bias. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and like my thing was I was excited to hear from him in that, in that way on Drive to Survive. I was excited to hear them give him a platform and hear what he has to say because he's so quiet. He's so quiet, especially compared to Lewis. He is so quiet on social media. He is so reserved and sort of off-putting a little bit in his on on track interviews you know his always whenever he wins he's very he's pretty gracious and like Mm -hmm. for the most part and like i appreciate that but that's that's such a limited amount of time we have with him so i was mostly just excited to hear from him more well the problem i'm just disappointed that i don't have a way to access him better well yeah the problem is basically the only personality traits i get from max are like he's just he's very much lacking in personality to me and the personality traits that I do have visibility into are ones that I largely find negative. Yeah. And so like he's not because he is I don't know maybe he's just very private but very you yeah. know private on social media which is fair doesn't fair, do but... a lot of things outside of the world of racing. Yeah. But it's going to mean like if that's the only view people have into your life, they're going to form an opinion of you based on that. Yeah. Tricky question. But I was just curious because it was in a lot of socials this week Mm -hmm. that he was backing out and stuff or last week, whatever it was. You know, we spend a lot of the season talking. You guys spent a lot of the season talking about how annoying it is, how often the commentators talk about Max and Lewis. Mm -hmm. And the last three episodes of us have been mostly talking about Max and Lewis. But it is getting towards the end. So it's getting towards the end. It's also a symptom of the coverage. Totally. If if all if all I can see when I watch the race is them covering Max and Lewis, that's the only thing I can talk about. Yeah, sure. Because that's all I saw. Yeah. Okay, well, that aside, <laughs> putting Max and Lewis to the side and getting to the best of the rest, our faves, uh-huh. Uh-huh. what else happened on track that was engaging this week? So not to say that there wasn't a ton, because like I, we've been saying, it was a fairly interesting race, but yeah. not a lot of it was covered thoroughly. No. So the things that I saw that I thought were worth commenting on, Ferrari very much ran their own race, kind of, again, this is something that we saw happen in Mexico to some extent saw happen in the US GP, mm-hmm. which was like, they're doing great in terms of their rebuilding effort mm-hmm. from last year to this year. Clearly, they're not really yet competitive with the Red Bulls or the Mercedes, but they're, I would say that they have, they do look fairly confidently dominant over McLaren at this point. Yeah. So oh. like Charles and Carlos just hung out in, fifth and sixth yeah this entire race basically yeah yes carlos would have started in third it wasn't realistic that he was going to hold on to Mm -hmm. that with both Mm -hmm. lewis and checo coming from behind the cars are just too much faster and overtaking at brazil is too easy like to be able to keep a car much faster than you behind gotcha yeah there's some circuits that are narrow enough where you know as long as you are perfectly positioning your car every time 
that you can keep a much faster car behind you, this is not really one of those circuits. So he got passed. So then fifth and sixth, he and Charles would like flip flop throughout the race based on pitting strategy and, you know, who was doing better during that stint. But otherwise, they just kind of hung out by themselves. They had a pretty big gap from them to the Red Bulls and the Mercedes and a fairly long gap for most of the race behind them to everybody else. So Mm -hmm. on the one hand, great points haul for them. It keeps them ahead of McLaren in the constructors. It's a good week for them. I'm sure that they are wanting more. I'm sure that they would love to at least be closer to those top two teams, if not like in active contention for the podium spots, at least not 13 seconds behind Checo. But yeah, you know, it was a a decent week for them. Um, It was a pretty poor week for McLaren. Ugh, I was so sad. So I was driving back from a little upstate weekend and and logged on and like I did I didn't see the beginning, but logged on and like Danny was six laps later Danny was going in he was like doing fine and was in good placement and then all of a sudden they cut to him getting out of the car in the garage and I was so sad yes so Daniel Daniel retired this week because he had a power failure he lost power to the engine which is not surprising only because the Mercedes power units have had a real reliability issue mm. this season. Usually Mercedes... And McLaren has Mercedes yes, McLaren units. has Mercedes yeah. engines. So usually the, the in, in seasons past, Mercedes engines have been quite reliable. It's been one of the good things about them is that not only are they fast, powerful engines, but that they work well throughout the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This year, not so. Their, their reliability has been pretty bad. McLaren's so, cursed in that regard. McLaren seems. is cursed in that regard. As well as, yeah, it's going to be a little worrying, I'm sure, for Mercedes. Lewis just got a new engine. Hopefully, that will take him through the final three races. Yeah. Valtteri fairly recently. I mean, Valtteri's had God knows how many engine penalties this season. Yeah. So, hopefully, that they won't have to take any more, that they won't experience any more issues with only three races left. That being said, the engineers who work on the power units for Mercedes certainly will have their work cut out of them for 2022 to develop a more reliable unit than they did <laughs> alongside this year. a whole new car yeah alongside like everything else but you know yeah but yeah so danny retired lando got a little bit over ambitious at the start um, he was trying to pass carlos into the first turn basically he went far to the right hand side it's actually really similar to what Daniel attempted to execute last week when he crashed into Valtteri. But Lando went really far to that side. He did get ahead of Carlos because Carlos had a pretty poor start. And then Lando came back across the racetrack because he thought he had cleared Carlos. He hadn't cleared Carlos. It didn't turn out nearly as disastrously as Daniel and Valtteri last week, but um, it did end up giving Lando a tire puncture. So he had to go through the whole first lap with a tire puncture in last place. And then he made up, he made back up a lot of spots. I mean, given that that happened, his race didn't end terribly, but yeah, what it was, it was definitely some bad luck. And then with Danny out of the race, that's putting McLaren in a tough spot for the constructors. They were very much would have liked to defend third place, which is what they got last year, but it's looking more and more like Ferrari has kind of, excuse the infrastructure week pun, but built back better. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> that was a politics joke for our U.S. audience. <laughs> Ferrari Ferrari has done a much better job than they did last year on fixing their car, as well as McLaren has had a little bit of a tough time, had a tougher time getting Daniel into their car than Ferrari has had with Carlos as a new driver. Mm. Uh, and they've honestly just had a lot of bad luck. So yeah, it's looking more and more like they will be finishing fourth. Woof. I was not expecting that. I don't I don't think any of us were expecting that at the beginning of this season. No, I've been shocked by how much better Ferrari that Ferrari has has stayed. The thing is, I think I was saying this must have been saying this to podcast boyfriend yesterday, which is the only reason that it's even competitive at all between McLaren and Ferrari right now is because Monza was kind of like a freak accident where them getting one and two gave them such an enormous amount of points yeah. for that week. 
But without that, if they'd gotten like their normal number of points that they usually right. get in a week during Monza, they would be You're right. 35 points behind Ferrari probably. You're right. I I'm trying to remember. I at one point made a F1 fantasy team and then uh did that one time and never updated it. <laughs> I think you're still beating Podcast Boyfriend, which he's very oh, bitter really? about. Really? Yeah, yeah I have very not upset. changed it once this whole season. And I also started late. Sorry, podcast boyfriend, for that call out. Well, it's also because I only give him the worst possible advice by I accident know. every time he asks. So. Well, I was trying to remember if I cast... <laughs> you cast you, Daniel as one of your drivers? Can, can you guys tell what world I come from? Can you tell which industry Sophie works which in? industry I yeah, don't work in? For sure it's called... <laughs> I was about to say, for sure, it's not athletics. Well, <laughs> so that's also an in- indicator. Okay, uh-huh. um, yeah, I was. I'm still going to use it. I didn't cast Danny as one of my drivers. I don't think I. I, I might feel have. like you probably did. I probably. I'm going to be honest. I, I know think it's you probably George did. and Carlos is in there. Oh, George. Oh, George. And and I think Danny's in there somewhere. Hmm. I probably I don't think I you I don't think I cast Lewis or you probably didn't have the money for them. I don't think yeah. I never I'll never have the money for Lewis or Max. That's really all that we have yeah. to cover race-wise. Obviously, as documented Lewis fans, um we were thrilled with the race this week. We had a good time. I think I had a good time. Yeah. I also think even had he not actually managed to win, even if he'd like finished second, it was just a fun, it was finally a race where yeah. something fucking happened. Which, it was really, yeah, it was nice to yeah. watch. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, I meant to use this as a cold open, but I need a different thing to talk about. I, because I watched this race by myself, which I haven't watched a race alone in quite some time now. Yeah. Because I've always been either with the girls, with podcast boyfriend, with my family, whatever. So I watched the race alone today. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, there were so many random things I decided to do during the race, just because like... What do you mean? Well, the main one was during the area of the race, the first time that Lewis passed Max, I was in the shower. I was fully showering. I had the laptop on a chair <laughs> with the shower curtain like half open so that I could see the laptop while I was really, this all goes back to why I am clean today, which oh. is I was watching the race and I was touching my head cause I was stressed and there was so much dry shampoo in there <laughs> that it was grossing me out. But so yeah, I was inside of the shower. That is not what I was expecting you to well, say. Well, <laughs> I was expecting you to say, I watered the plants and like... No, no, no. I didn't do anything helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took a shower and then I... That was helpful to you. Yeah. And then I put some makeup on. Yeah. Oh, okay. It all makes sense. And that's what I did during the race today. But there was something really unique about shampooing while... Watching F1. Guys, where's the most interesting place you've ever watched? You've ever tuned in for an F1 race? Yeah, I would love to know. But anyways, so that's what happened on track this week. Yeah, It was a good race. I am pretty excited for the last three races of the season. I'm still a little resigning myself. I can't believe there's only three. I know. It's been a long year. Yeah, it's been long and it also feels kind of short. It also feels like pretty... These last five really kind of are flying by. Yeah. They are. Is what I would say. It's like in less than a month, it'll all be over. That's crazy. But with Kennedy not here, um, we have no racing news. Also, there's not that much racing news happening right now. We're incapable of reporting on any kind of actual racing news unless Kennedy Barba's speaking. Yeah. She just does a better job with it. We do. There's only one piece of news and it's we're actually waiting for confirmation of it still. Yeah. I'm told that it will be announced on Tuesday of next week. Yeah. Where Antonio's going if he's if he's going anywhere. So stay tuned for after the next race. We should have the answer to that, hopefully. But otherwise, that's really the only racing news there is. So without Kennedy, we won't make it official. Yeah. So we will hop, skip and jump ahead to To a different theme song. Uh Uh-huh. The social media star. Social media star of, star of the week. Power. Star of the week. Star it up. Social media star of, of the week. Of the week. Of the week. I have a social media star of the week. Okay. Do you have a social media star of the week? 
Nobody's nobody's exciting me from like in terms of the actual F one like. It seems like everybody like teams and drivers. I think everybody is really like we're at the point in the season where there's like a lot less kind of dicking around. Like everybody really needs to make the last few races count. And the other thing I think worth noting in the midst of a triple header, there's really not as much time in people's like lives and calendars to yeah be more active on social and like doing the kind of fun things we usually like having documented true so it's been a little bit quiet i mean we got a couple more new helmets for brazil which i liked seeing oh yeah we got Valtteri. we got Valtteri's on a roll with these we special got helmets. we got live laugh Valtteri. <laughs> we really did which is so funny this man first of all peak Valtteri helmet it has coffee on the top unbelievable which makes sense for brazil but then it says has on the back it's basically, it's basically one, one of those like don't talk to me until i've had my coffee like sassy white mom pinterest like pinterest mugs yeah but just it's on the back of his formula one racing helmet and like i don't want to roast it too hard for how cringe it is but also like like, what did it say do you remember what it said i could go look it up the first time i saw it i saw it on an f1 like fan page and so i thought it was photoshopped and then it turned out that that was actually what the helmet looked like yeah and i was a little bit taken aback Mm -hmm. but that's kind of valtteri's brand also He's just going to go. He's just going to live, laugh, love, whether you want him to or not. He is. First, I drink the coffee. Then I do the things is what it says on the back, which is pretty peak millennial cringe. I'm, I'm going to so be honest. Sorry, but I that's just very can't handle that's that. very like has has a Deathly Hallows tattoo. Always. Like, every time like, you know, like gets engaged and like posts a picture on their Instagram that's like, we did a thing. Oh, it's like I got a dog. I I did a thing. Yeah. That's the energy that gives to me. Yeah. Which I just I maybe love that's every other part of it. I really the like the rest it. of it is great. I really like the like combination of his personal interest and it feels fitting to the place and space that they raced this weekend and the design is beautiful. And then you get to the back. Yeah. And so, you you walked into the wrong part of Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Which you guys should not be going to Hobby Lobby anymore. Uh. <laughs> well, now that Sophie's told you. Sorry. Don't ever go again. Okay. On that note, Kate, you don't really have a social media star of the week is what we're getting. Yeah. Okay. Not really. I'm trying to be a little more judicious about it now than I was early in the season. I can When tell. I would just give it to Carlos every week for existing. You know, the again, I will say again, Valtteri has been winning. That's true. In a landslide, the number of social media stars of the week. It's because this is, he's like the only he man who has no anxiety right now because he already <laughs> knows he's going to Alpha next season. Yeah, he's just chilling. So he's just like, whatever I can do while I'm here is sick, but otherwise, like, peace, deuces, guys. Okay. That being said, I do have a social media star of the week. Okay, great. It is a little different from what we've done in the past. Uh I haven't chosen a driver. I haven't chosen a team. Mm -hmm. I haven't chosen a member of the team. Uh It's a great pitch. You guys are going to love it. But I have chosen somebody. I've been doing a lot more looking around at folks who are talking about F1 and exploring the broader world of motorsport, exploring the broader world of motorsport and people who are reporting on it and doing people who are blogging about it, people who are doing their own podcasts about it. There are a lot of very cool ones out there, but I just wanted to give a big old shout out to this company called Park Ferme. It's this group of women who are running basically a magazine of sorts, a digital magazine they're just like their content is very crisp and clean and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the work they do is just, it's, it's the way that like I always want to engage in the races. Mm-hmm. They've been doing a really cool series for each race. They do a like, welcome to Brazil. Welcome to Sao Paulo. This is what the city is known for. This is the kinds of things culturally that are relevant to the place where they're racing this weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's so nice. Yeah, Such that's a really good cool. idea. That's and they, really cool. Their photos are always beautiful. Their takes are really interesting. The writing they do about the sport is really well done. It's very engaging. And it just feels really it's just relaxing the content like to look at their page is so relaxing also it's a group of women who are doing really a great job at it and Mm -hmm. you know that's what we're all about we're all about trying to find other women who are doing 
very interesting things with Formula One. And and it's really cool. Their take on motorsport in general and like humanizing it, doing a lot of like human first storytelling. Yeah. Individual level storytelling is interesting, especially in a sport that that level of like individual perspective and story can be lost, especially if you're looking beyond the drivers themselves. Like. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of see that in the story of, you know, the story of Lewis Hamilton, the story of Max Verstappen, mm-hmm. etc. But I think on a broader level, like with the teams, the team team branding usually does a pretty poor job of that kind of mm-hmm. storytelling. And I especially think teams that are more engaged with being heritage brands are worse at it. Yeah. It's part of why I think, yeah. sorry to Ferrari, but I think that Ferrari has some of the worst social media. Yeah. For, a, for as successful as a team as they are with charismatic drivers, they have the worst social media. Yeah. And I think it's because they don't have that kind of human, human-focused lens. Yeah. It's all about the Ferrari brand. And, like, I get Ferrari's not going to change it. That's what Ferrari yeah. wants to do. Okay. But it's less appealing. It's yeah. less cool. People won't be as and excited. Like, this, to me, just says you can, like, Park Fermate, to me, the work that they're doing says to me that you can do emotion and you can do relatability but you can also be mature about it and you can Mm -hmm. be like you can have some status and like hold it and like dwell in that as well as being really relatable yeah just great so anyway relatability without reductiveness yes maybe you should work for them (laughs) instead of us (laughs) well you know great work ladies well it has been lovely this week to cover the race with you, Soph. Oh, thanks. It's been a fun change of pace. Yeah. How would how have you felt covering the race? Are you still anxious or do you just not know what you said? A little less anxious and don't have any fucking clue what I said. So okay. I think you did great. Oh, good. Thanks. I definitely interrupt you more. <laughs> there were a couple of times where you were like, you, you gave me a look. Like, I know it's all fine, but you were like, oh, I didn't get to finish my sentence. No, it's, that's usually me trying to not forget what I was saying by the time that you finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because otherwise I just forget and then it just, and then I hear it in the edit and it's this like orphan s- sentence that I start and don't finish. And I'm like, well, hopefully no one else noticed. I try and eliminate those. Great. To the best of my ability. Great. Yeah. Well, I hope it was engaging regardless. And I hope this recording works. And if, <laughs> and if we're each just in one headphone, if oh, I'm just in your left headphone so and Sophie's sorry. in your right Take that as a gift. If you find one of us annoying, just take the corresponding <laughs> headphone out. We've made a custom edit of that episode for you. Silver lining. Just take it as a silver lining. My technical we're, struggles. We're working with what we've got. Which is like fucking a lot of technical experience, and I still couldn't figure it out after 45 minutes. Google, you failed me. Podcast boyfriend. Fix it. Fix it. He works at Google for reference. Okay. Anyways. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. Because you'll be sad if we don't record an actual outro. Oh, thank you. Next week, the end of the triple header will be the Qatar GP. Mm-hmm. Kennedy will be back on the mic for that. She will actually yeah. be here in person with us. She's going to come celebrate Thanksgiving in our Brooklyn home. Yes. So we're very excited to have her back, back on the pod, back in our house, always in our hearts regardless. Qatar next weekend. Then there is a week off. And then... We will be at the last two races of the season, which is back-to-back in Saudi Arabia, followed by the final race of the season, Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi. Keep holding on, folks. We've only got a few weeks left. And, like, we're getting a, you know, it's not like we we know who's going to win. Yeah. So we still There's still nice. intrigue. So there's there's a lot of reason to keep tuning in to these last couple episodes. Yeah. And between then and now, Sophie, where else can they find us other than the pod? As always... Hit us up on Instagram. We are Lights Out F1, the podcast on Instagram. We are Lights Out F1 pod gals on TikTok. You know, we're posting a lot more videos. We're posting a lot more like short little clips from these episodes. So hopefully those are fun and engaging. You guys can share those with your friends. Or your enemies. Or your Or the airplanes flying above our house at 6.48 p.m. on a Sunday night. Mostly you should share this with your enemies, I think. (laughs) But not our enemies. To be clear, if we have mutual enemies, do not share. You guys know who our enemies are. Well, share that with us, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know. Share with us if you know who our enemies are. Do you know who your enemies are? No, I don't think so. Hmm. That's why it's important that they share. Yeah. I don't think I know who my enemies are. (laughs) 
Okay. People people who eat bagels with butter instead of cream cheese. That's my enemies. I have done that. <laughs> Betrayal. But I also can't have cream cheese anymore. Well, that's your I problem. I also technically can't. Oh my God. Yeah, it is my <laughs> problem and it's terrible. <laughs> Jesus, no sympathy for the girl with the immune disease. None I just, all. you know, I take my bagels very seriously. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to go get my booster shot. For your vaccine? Uh-huh. Oh, do you think I can get mine yet? Probably. We should go do that. Okay. On that note, bye. Bye. <laughs>